All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Klepa. I hope you're having a heck of a day. We're going to dive into an amazing episode with JP. This is the first part two we're doing. Last week, we dove into tough conversations, how to have them, and some takeaways. This week, the tough conversation was had, and now this is the next step. And as per usual in this podcast, it's not all fluff. It's about practical applications, it's about real situations going on in the gym because we're in the trenches just like you guys. And I really hope that from last week's episode and this week's episode, you get feedback, you get something tangible that you could take into your business and make an impact. Learn from our mistakes, please. Now, if you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective or our partner program, they're two extremely valuable programs for gym owners. Check it out by emailing us at collective at nc.fit or visit our website, nc.fit. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, getting value, and you haven't checked out all the additional tools we have, I really think we're missing out. Not to mention, if you're not texting with me on the regular, you're also missing out. I'd love to engage with you. So text me, 408-706-2569. We also have it in the show notes. It is actually me. Yes, I text you back. (laughs) Whether you want to talk about business, you want to talk about workouts, I got you covered. Now let's dive into an amazing episode with JP on you already had the tough conversations, but now this is a team conversation and what does that look like? Let's keep rising tides. Let's keep getting after it. Have an amazing day, everyone. Let's go. And so the conversation started as a team and kind of fast forward us through it. So what So what are the major takeaways that owners can think of? So you had this general manager who had you know a, a business outside the business, started to create a little bit of conflict within the team potentially. You bring the team together, they start discussing it in a professional manner to move forward, right? And so what types of things did you learn through that process? I mean, how many people were, out, were, were in the meeting and what would you have done different? What, what, what were the outcomes? Yeah, so there was eight of us in the meeting and and here's the thing. What was really unique and it was what I had identified early as well was that this individual didn't recognize that they were being perceived this way by the team. They were what I felt genuinely shocked. Like they were like, I can't believe the team feels I treat them that way. I can't believe they see it that way. And to me, that was really interesting because now it's even more important that I bring it to their intention because as an adult, as we've said before, the most valuable thing you have is time. And if I can help this individual save time from going on to the next uh, career position in their life and hitting the same hurdles and same challenges by letting them recognize potentially a personality flaw they have in their management skills, I'm saving them time and I'm saving my business. So what yeah, but fa- did, 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 the, did the employee feel kind of um, uh, not overwhelmed, but did they kind of feel like they're getting teamed up on? Would you have done it with everybody, the eight people again, or would you have had that conversation more privately with a smaller group if you could do it over again? Okay, so that's a great question. First, I think it's important to note that the conversation occurred uh, uh, first and foremost with the individual, with the general manager. That was what had happened prior to our last episode. So I just want to reiterate that to the team. There was a one-on-one out of respect. 
It was out of that one-on-one -on -one that we decided it was going to be best that we do a team meeting. Why? Because in that one-on-one, -on -one, I recognized that this individual it loves the team, loves Brick, loves the purpose and the mission is just not right for the role anymore. Right? So I, I felt it was right for my business as the owner to give this individual a chance to communicate with the team, work on making men's and ask if they could continue in a role as part of the team, as opposed to being the general manager. Right. And the entire team had acknowledged like, yes, we would love to have this conversation. One, because we feel it's important that they see from our perspective, how we felt we were treated. Right. And it's important for us to get that off our chest so that we can make men's and heal and bring her back in as part of the family. Right. And so I made the executive decision that that was going to be the right thing to do. And by the way, Jason, not every decision we make is going to be a home run, right? This could have, this could have been a, a huge foul ball, but as, as, as owners, when you make a decision, you have to commit to it hundred percent, right? Once the decision yeah. is made, you right. can't waver because then you're, you're not, you're not sitting on strong lines. Everybody knows you'll, you'll waver and falter. So that's why I made the decision. Then we called the meeting and everybody was prefaced on the purpose of the meeting. It's to have a positive outcome. We may all shake hands and some other people in the meeting may decide that this, that this is no longer the right place for them to be. But the idea was that it was going to be a full hard reset so that everybody's going to like socially distantly hug it out and high five. And we start Monday on clean slates, right? And, and refresh the vibe and the energy because things are going so well for us under right. the circumstances. So, so, you felt, so to summarize, you, you, you had a conversation one-on-one -on -one that, that sparked this idea to have a team conversation. I think that's important to preface. Then with that team conversation, you're, you're having some tough conversation, just kind of airing out, calling the elephant in the, you know, in the room what it is. And then from there, though, what are the major takeaways? What, what are things that you could have done differently or better? Yeah, absolutely. So the first takeaway was I prepared – immensely for this conversation, even before the one-on-one -on -one and before your and I's episode, right? I had read a bunch of articles on ways to prepare myself mentally for a tough conversation, how to stay unwavering, how to really organize my thoughts, understand my why, so that there wasn't any like, well, it's because I'm the owner type of attitude, really listen, understand this individual, uh, never defer responsibility. Like there's so many key components that were important, which you can just Google how to have tough conversations. And there's a hundred uh, Harvard business reviews on the psychology of it, right? Listen intently, be able to accept blame, right? Try to see it from their standpoint. Don't just assume everything is there or your fault. Like these are just really simple things as leaders that we can understand going into these conversations. And I listen to it. And I also let them know that when I speak, they need to give me the same respect that this isn't a discussion. Right. I think that's an important thing to remember, too. When you go into a tough talk with a, an employee where potentially you might have to be letting them go, there shouldn't be open for discussion. Well, I heard, oh, no, that's not the way it was. Or let's bring them in here. No, no, no. There is none of that. This is the situation. I, I want you to, to be able to express your feelings, but there's not a back and forth discussion. Right. It's not a debate. You're not like trying to defend your position. You can express how you feel. I'll listen, but this is already ultimately the outcome. I've already decided, right? Because I'm unwavering. I am the owner. This is what's best for the business because you don't want to now go back to whatever the challenge is back. Like, oh, well, we had a talk and we worked it out because now you've set a precedence. It's like, 
this owner is, you know, this owner waivers. Right. You know, and so, so the takeaways are you have to be properly prepared for these tough conversations for many people like me that don't love conflict and confrontation. It can cause high levels of anxiety. So you need to work through your thoughts and emotions on paper first, take some time. Maybe you write out what you would want to say to them in an email and just save it and then reread it a few times because a lot of times it allows you to breathe in those emotions and look at it and be like, wow, that's, that's a little too harsh. Or you know what? I'm sugarcoating again, you know? And I recognized all that. And I really felt comfortable not only going into that one-on-one, but then preparing on how to acknowledge the entire team. And I went in unwavering. I set the ground rules for the conversation. I set the purpose and tone of the meeting. I let everybody know they were going to have a chance to speak and share their emotions, but it wasn't going to be a back and forth. He said, she said, bring that individual. It was going to be, this is how I feel, not this is what they said to me, right? And we just set those precedents. And fortunately, my team was mature enough and are all, are all adult enough that we never went off track. We stayed in clear direction of what the purpose of the meeting was, because here's the next piece, Jason. In it per my reading and, and training in these type of tough conversations, it's okay if you feel like these are escalating, to potentially getting to a point of no return, to just call a breather, call a break, take an hour, or you know what, everybody, this has gotten a little bit heavy in the way that it's escalated before it goes any further negatively. Let's take a day. But since it's so important, let's come back tonight or tomorrow, right? Because this is that important to us. And that's just the truth, right? You're operating a company with a lot of personalities. Now, maybe you're only dealing with one individual. Maybe you have a team with 10 individuals. It's still the same conversation. Properly preparing, understanding the multiple uh, directions that the outcome can go and being ready for them and continuing to have full control over the situation, right? And so, you know, I don't know what type of experiences you've had and those going left or right. Maybe you could share one, but I know for sure mine have not always gone that successfully, but I can tell you this, what I thought was going, I was ready for a much different outcome. I thought certainly it was going to end up in me having to completely terminate this individual. It was like everything I would have wished for ended up occurring, right? Everyone on the team had either texted or emailed me. Thank you so much. I feel so much better. I just wanted to be heard basically is what they were saying. I just wanted that individual to be able to listen to me in a non-defensive state. I just wanted them to listen. I didn't want to be in an argument on why I feel that way. It's the same thing. We have issues with parenting, right? Your kids don't, you know, they, they, what they want most is for you to listen and understand how they feel, not try to impose on them the way you think they should feel. And it's the same thing with your team right? Sometimes they, in their own version, need to like cry it out for the sake of an example. Yeah. And what you did essentially is, is you created a a safe space for them to be able to do that. And it relieved a lot of this tension that was being created. And I think that's a, that's a good takeaway. Um, So as you were going through the meeting, what, what specifically um, do you think was something that you could have done better as that process was going through? Because setting up that space for people to explain how they feel. I think it's really important. And the way someone feels is the way they feel. I mean, and, and belittling that or undermining that, I think it's really unfortunate because if they feel that way, there must've been some reason for it. And regardless, if you want to move forward as a company, we need to address it, right? Because otherwise it just keeps smoldering and, and growing and, and fostering. And so it sounds like whatever you had done created that environment. So what yeah. type of things did you do additionally? 
Yeah, so the first thing I wanna make sure everybody knows is the only reason why I feel like I had a better uh, ability to go into this one is because I have failed numerous times before, like I'm sure you have in trying to have these types of conversations, right? Where you go in there and you're like, I'm ready to rock and you come out of there like, holy shit, what just happened? I just blew that and made it worse, right? And, um, you know, they say that uh, they, there's a, a, a saying that says, a quote that says, success leaves clues, right? And I go, yeah, that's a great quote, but I like to live by this one. Success leaves clues, but failure leaves answers. And what I did was instead of just trying to see how other people have successfully done it, I tried to really look back on and be humble with my own failures and being like, oh, I know now why that one didn't work because I went in there and I wasn't prepared. I didn't do this. I didn't establish that. And I really went back and took a hard look at all those conversations of mine or that I've heard of others that have failed and said, those are clear answers on things that we know didn't work. Right. And if you say, well, JP, what would you have done better? <clears throat> and I'll tell you this, if I were to do it all over again, the only thing I would have had was all of the team that had showed up. I would have asked that they actually had listed out things that they would want to have accomplished in that meeting or things that they would have wanted to have said, because then I would have prepared them better to ensure that they would have left feeling satisfied. Now, fortunately, I think we ended up there anyways, right? But ultimately, I would have liked some of them to have been more prepared. Yeah, they could, have, they could have determined their thoughts before they came in. So that's similar to the way you were creating your thoughts and your plan. Now they come in and they have time to kind of reflect on what they want to say, how they want to say, it, what are the outcomes they're looking for. Yeah, and they could have written it down and taken some time on it. And this kind of stuff is important, right? Because your team is like a family. You're with them so often. You're with them that's eight right. hours a day. And there's going to be conflict and that's okay, right? But you got to have mutual appreciation respect for each other and i think going into it ahead of time preparing that's a good that's a good takeaway right is that you could have set the team up for even better success had you had them take the time ahead of time is, is i guess what you're saying yeah and uh, you know we're just in a super unique industry jason you know our product is people right we're we're involved in in a people business and you know we talk about our team being there but for eight hours a day. Some of our teams are there for 12 hours a day, six days a week, because not only are they coaching, they love to be there. So they're working out there themselves and then they're teaching personal training clients. So, and then potentially they're, they're going to be out. They're going to be hanging out outside the gym too. That potentially their significant other is involved in the gym, right? Or is involved in health and wellness. So it's literally in, engulfed their entire life. And so with that, it's not showing up to a nine to five. It's not showing up to a corporate job that's involved in technology where you're just staring at a screen and you're working in, you know, different software apps to create deliverables. Like you're engaged in humans 18 hours a day. So it's only natural that it's going to take on a different psychology of how a successful corporation operates. You can't mimic Google right? You're, or one of these other app companies that has video games and they throw parties in the middle of the day and eat cotton candy. Like that, that's, that's in fantasy land. We're, we're immersed in our world 12, 16 hours a day. Our product are the people that we're training. It's like, there, it, it's so blurred everything that we get involved with that we have to, uh, at times have some leniency in this you know, um, corporate mentality. It's still professionally ran, but you have to understand, like you said, that your general manager might be a 10 year long friend at this point, 
right? Like my general manager was at my wedding. Try, you know, you're terminating somebody who was at your, you know, potentially terminating somebody who was at your wedding. Like you have to be ready to have that conversation and do it in a way that is very professional and trying to create the understanding that this is what's best for the business, but it's also what's best for you. Because if this relationship continues to stay unhealthy, that's going to impact the business that is providing careers for, for others. And um, if you can't separate the professional side as well as our friendship side, then that's an issue you have to, I'm mature enough to do it. Right. And I know that's hard. And so I see this as kind of like a, a group of people sitting in a gym, they're getting paid for their time, which I think is appropriate, right? Because they're on the clock and going around kind of sharing perspective or, or the way they feel, which again, this done wrong could be a disaster. I mean, I, I personally have seen it be detrimental for our business. And so before you try and do this, I think having the conversation with the one-on-one -on -one and making sure they're on board with this concept, I think is a, a great step in that direction. Um, and I, I, I think people still need to have a little bit of a filter. Um, I, I think that there's, I think that what happened with us, this is many years ago was as soon as one of the filters came off, it just, it just let the, the whole faucet go and, and it, it, we couldn't turn it off at that point. And that, that was sure. detrimental. We, we have someone on our team who's a, um, a therapist, like a sports psychologist, and we've actually used them in the past to come in as a third party unbiased to help run the conversation, um, which has been really successful for us. So instead of me running it or you running it or whoever running it, you have this third party come in and say, Hey, this is what the overall, you know, you, you, you let them know what's going on and them coming in is just a really nice way to diffuse the situation. Mm -hmm. We've found that to be extremely helpful for our organization. Um, having this third party who also has a background in, in people and emotions. Cause like you're saying, we're in a very unique industry. We're in the greatest industry in the world, but it comes with it quite a bit of challenges as well. And so, you know, having these people and doing your thing, as you left the meeting, did you specifically call out takeaways? Um, how did that process go? What was the resolution? What was the steps forward? How did that work? And did you yeah. use up the whole two hours? I mean, it sounds like a long time. So we did end up uh, utilizing all the time. I want to be clear that in just a lot of years of training and meeting structure. And actually I've done third party um, resolutions or third party negotiations with teams in the past. Cause there's actually some really fun uh, team building uh, exercises that you can do, do when you bring in a third party as far as uh, enhancing and elevating your team. But let, let's leave that aside for this, this particular scenario. So, the first thing was I went in there and, and like you should do, you should always elevate the energy in the room first. So I, I edged off the uh, awkwardness that everybody knew they were there for by starting with a lot of the positive things that are going on in the gym, renovations that we're doing, great things that are occurring outside, the return of tons of members, just like you, you want to really bring up a lot of positive points so that emotionally, and I'll, I'll say this, we won't get too deep into it. This is all very much based on like neuro-linguistic programming, which is the psychology of how people think because people think based in pictures and emotions. So when you can build uh, happier pictures for people, you can control their emotions better. And it's the idea of like psychology of persuasion. If anybody wants to read up on it, I mean, it's just how most leaders inherently have these skills. A lot of times they don't even know, but they do it. And so you, you just create a, a more positive environment, 
right? Because I affect that energy in the room too. If I came in all somber and serious, it would get off. You don't want to come in jokey, right? It's not JP jokey time, but you certainly want to point out a lot of the positive items. And then it was really just getting right to the point. But I did just like I would teach a class. I addressed it like, hey, this is what we're going to do for the warm up. This is going to be the meat and potatoes of the workout. And then we're going to come back around and we're going to close it out. And this is definitively how this is going to end. Right. And so I just, I set the map that we started. I went over a lot of positive points. I let the individual speak first. And I had, by the way, I had already prepped them and they had written up their thoughts and emotions. And I let them know that this is the way that this needs to go when you deliver your information. And it's not going to be a, he said, she said, point finger. And, and already that had let me know that this individual is ready to have an adult conversation because um, if we would have gone back in time and that wouldn't have gone as well. And they're like, Oh yeah, but so-and-so, and I want to tell them that so-and-so said, said, then you know what? It is best that we just go ahead and shake hands. I'll prepare your final paycheck. Let's go ahead and do your offboarding and we'll, we'll just, we'll sever ties now. I think it's what's best for the business and best for us. Right. But there was uh, uh, a constant um, a level of mutual respect where we wanted to get to a better outcome. Right. It wasn't just to try to prove someone else wrong so that they could be right. And so that's, I, it's important that people understand that, you know, you have to trigger, there has to be all of these triggers that set you. You can't just, see one thing and say, no, no, I, I still want to have this meeting. If all these other triggers weren't hit, then you do have to pivot, right? And that pivot would have been, there is no need to have this meeting because ultimately you need to go, right? But this person was really uh, insistent wanting to continue to be a part of the team because they loved the it, whatever, right? So we went into it and that's uh, that was really where we were able to set that up for success. And then it was established the ground rules establish what the idea of the outcome is, get everyone to agree because they're all adults. And if you agree as adults, this is how we're going to end this. Right. And we have all agreed to that. Yes. If you say yes in this meeting and you walk out of here with a no, you are, you know, you are already in breach of your adult team agreement and I'll, I'll just terminate you. Right. Like it's, it's not an, I'm the boss thing. It's you've breached the team agreement. You are no longer part of the team. And everybody went, you know, was a part of it. And I, I, I know, Jason, they don't always all go that well. But I think because I have learned from so many mistakes of sugarcoating, not being transparent, trying to uh, abate conflict, et cetera, et cetera, that I went right in with just the whole truths all the way through it. Like I knew what was best for Brick. I knew what was best for my team. I knew what I wanted the outcome to be. And I stuck to it regardless of where like my heart, you know, at times like, you know, the heart strings and maybe there was a few tears you have to be relentless in what the purpose is. Yeah, that's good. So as you guys were going through the meeting and you know, you're, you're each person is telling how they feel you. I like the idea of, of setting it up almost like a class setting, right? Hey, you, you take this, is where we're going today, this is the meat and potatoes and we're going to wrap it up. So as you guys wrap it up, um, you know, the team was all on board and I think you're right. I think it, when you, when you go at it a little bit more straightforward, it's pretty easy what people are committing to, right? They're either, they're either on board or they're not on board. And if they're not on board, that's fine, but let's have a conversation about what that means because we've had meetings where people leave, they say yes in the meeting. Mm -hmm. And then later on, it turns out that, you know, you hear them undermining and things of that nature. And I, I, I hope that's not going to happen in this case, but I think one of the ways that in all, I'll, I'll take fault for this, right? Is that, I think probably what I did in the past that was wrong is that I'd be in meetings and I would maybe potentially try and be a little bit softer, like meaning like a little bit 
not so direct in my thoughts and it made it a little bit easier for people to be agreeable there, but to not really be on board with that thought. And I think at times I would always look at them and say, Hey, you agreed to it, but then you undermined us later on, but maybe that's on me. Maybe that's on you. Maybe that's on us for not specifically saying exactly what we really wanted to say because we were afraid of causing some type of mm -hmm. like dissension. Um, looking back on some of the tough conversations I've had in the past, I think I have to take ownership in the fact that if maybe I had been significantly more direct, maybe even just again, had my thoughts on paper and say, these are what our goals are of the day that could have helped us in the future. Because I think, again, I was a little soft on my delivery and it led to more interpretation by the team, which then when they saw the actions I took, they undermined it to the rest of the team because they weren't fully bought in on that. Is it, I don't know if the, I'm getting where I'm trying to get to, but I think your idea of being more straightforward would have helped me in the past with some of my tough conversations. Yeah, I think you're right on point, man, because uh, you need to leave the emotional side out of it when you're leading these meetings, right? Like you have a directive, you've set it in place, and you can't let those, some of those heartstrings tug at you and want to sugarcoat or create a softer sense of, uh, of the situation. And it is about the whole truth, right? And letting all the other individuals in the known in the room know. And like you said, if they've committed and agreed, then if they go out beyond this meeting and, and create some sort of level of undermining, then they lack integrity in their word. And I address that with the team like, hey, if you go out from here and you gossip on this, or you don't protect someone on your team's name, like someone else or a member, oh, so-and-so said to do this this way, or they were rude to me and did that. And you don't protect your team, you lack integrity in your word. And that's a, that's a personal issue that you're going to have to live with, that you have to live with yourself, right? However, if that gets back to me, then it does become owner mindset, you're terminated, right? Yeah, right? Because, yeah, yeah. because at that point, there's, there is insubordination in the ranks. And yeah. that's, that's where the clear-cut line has to be drawn, right? Is when you define something as clear-cut insubordination, it, it's like, we listen, this is a unique thing about our industry that I talk about so often. Probably more than most, owners in our industry allow insubordination in the ranks. Yeah. I, I mean, surely I have. And it's been really, it's really difficult. And I don't think it's as easy as, you know, I don't think it's as cut and dry as you say, oh, there's insubordination, I'm going to let you go. I mean, I wish it was, I mean, well, I don't wish, but in theory, it would be that simple. In practical application, it's significantly harder because you start telling yourself this person isn't really undermining, they're just trying to do what's best for what they think, or they're really talented. You start telling yourself all these things, and then time after time, you see more and more of it until finally it does become in your you know, other people might be able to see it as insubordination or not in agreement where the company vision is, but at, for you, it's, it's difficult. It becomes blurry, uh, at least in my experience. It does. And that's why we as owners have to constantly be in practice, right? It's just a muscle. We have to train it just like we do anything else. Like you have to train to be a, a better owner every day and a better leader. I know you do. I mean, I've known you for coming on a decade. It's like, you know, if you looked at the you and I almost 10 years ago to now, we're different humans. We're different leaders. We're different owners. We communicate and speak differently. We're training those muscles. And as owners, if you're owning the way you did five years ago 
and you're still getting the same results that you don't appreciate, I mean, that's like the definition of insanity, right? So you need to really look at yourself and say, man, every time I go into these meetings, I just end up firing people. Like I'm turning through staff. The beauty is some people may listen to this and be like, oh, JP's a hard ass. I've had, I, I have one of the better retentions of, t of staff members than most owners I know, and you and I know thousands, right? And I pride that on the fact that there's high levels of transparency. I own from a level of integrity and respect, right? But when I say expectations, when I say and set them, I want to live by them. And I've wavered in the past, but I've learned to be less, right? I've had insubordination in the past, but I've learned how to define it earlier and more often. So that's just it. Am I perfect? By no means. If I was perfect, I'd possibly, I probably wouldn't have had this, have had to have this conversation. But I know I'm getting better because the outcomes are showing better and better results. That's the, that's the idea of growth in anything, right? Yeah, and there's something beautiful about that too. You know, I look, I, um, I send something out to the text community that I have where in business, um, there's a lot of ups and downs. And, but without the downs, you wouldn't have the ups and vice versa. And so when you go into a situation like this and you've had one that didn't work as well, right? It really makes you appreciate how you're improving, you're getting better, and you have a good one. But if they're all great, right, you would never be able to grow from it. And so I think having the tough conversations and having the ones that don't go as planned, wow, they really let you reflect and be like, oh man, I dropped the ball big time. And so it sounds like some of the things that, you know, you were setting up the team for success, I think were really helpful. And I, uh, I encourage anyone who didn't check out the first episode where you went in, you had the initial conversation, which then led to this conversation. I recommend you go listen to that. And there'll be many more conversations to come in regards to dealing with team, because as you mentioned before, man, we're in a, we're in an industry that's, that's highly emotional and it's with a lot of people. There's a lot of interpersonal connections. And with that requires a lot of these type of conversations. And so I think the more prepared we are for them, the better off we're going to be. Yeah, I agree with you, Jason. I'll just reiterate that one quote that I said, because uh, this will just be my closeout words for today uh, to everybody. And there potentially might end up being in episode three. We'll see how this continues to unfold. But um, I do want to reiterate this point. Success leaves really great clues. However, as owners, you cannot assume that you will be able to replicate someone else's success. Meaning I cannot lead or own the way Jason does. I can take influence from him. I can learn from him, but I cannot be JP version of Jason because it won't interpret the same. If I tried to communicate or be the way he is, it may not come off the same way. It's not genuine to me, right? However, if I look at potentially my own failures in the past or potentially failures that Jason would share, I will probably be able to see and, and uh, gather a lot more answers because failure has finite answers as opposed to success that delivers just clues. And I think that's really important for us owners because they want to reach out and go, oh, well, if Jason did that way, I'll do it. If JP did it that way, I'll do it. I'm not saying it's finite. I'm saying I've given you clues to how I was able to be successful in this example, in this scenario. However, the answers lied, lay in the failures of these conversations that I have had in the past and the conversations you and I have had about failed conversations we've had in the past. And so that I ask all owners that watch this, uh, you know, f file through the weeds 
of all the, the, the sugary outcome of this particular thing and look for the nuggets in this conversation that you and I have dropped about the areas that could have gone drastically wrong or the areas that we have failed on and learn from those. Yeah, I love that idea. Dude, well, JP, as per usual, I, uh, I like that theory about the successes and the failures. Thank you for sharing that. And um, let's keep rising the tides, baby. It's just the beginning. We've got a lot of really good things going on. This is a really great example of just being in the trenches and having a conversation. And that's what this podcast is all about. So thanks for your time today, brother. And we'll be in touch soon, huh? Yeah. Thanks for having me as always. Man. It's always an honor and a pleasure.